I think Burlington Baptist is going to be in good hands for a while, don't you? Aren't we blessed? I mean, gee whiz, the Lord has given us so much talent in this church. And it's for all, I mean, the spectrum from one end to the other. It's amazing. You know, I go to churches and you see, and they're like begging for a piano player. We got five in this church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us that and for giving us people who have talent. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. My name is Kent. I'm the senior pastor. If you're a guest, we are so glad to have you with us today. Last week I took off. Thank you, Randy Jones, for filling in for me. I went home, went back down south and went to the little country church that uh, my parents and my grandparents grew up in and got to see relatives I hadn't seen forever and played some music and sang. And my grandkids were there. We had a good time. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you put a kid on stage with you, right? And I love my little grandkids. They call me Pappy, you know. So we were planning to do this thing. And I said, now, at the end of the service, I'm going to play this instrumental thing, and I want you all to come up and play the banjo. I said, we're going to sing a song. And my little grandson, Adam, says, hey, Pappy, can we sing This Girl is on Fire? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it was great to be with them, and I was so grateful to be in church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And today we're going to finish up our... uh, our last sermon on, on the topic of temptation. We've been talking about that for quite a few weeks here, a couple, three weeks now. And uh, we talked about temptation, and, and one of the reasons I did this was because I wanted us to recognize that temptation is real and that we all deal with it as human beings. And, and some of the things that we learned about temptation, I'm going to ask them to pull some of these things up as we look back, that number one, it's not a sin to be tempted. It's what we do with the temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. Number two, you and I are never above temptation. I don't know about you, but just when you think you got it going on, you know, you got to be careful. The devil will come in. God will never tempt you. And here's the topic and the thing of the whole series that we've been talking about. Say it with me. There's always a way out. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our young people, Lord. Thank you for our church. Just thank you for the privilege that you've given us to come together and, and to worship you in this place. Lord, I pray right now for the gift of preaching. The very topic that we're going to speak about, I pray God for his presence to be in this place. Holy Spirit, speak to us. I know you will. You already have. Help us to listen. And so, Father, as this message goes out, I pray that you are glorified, and I pray that everything we say and do will bring glory to you and your kingdom, that people will be drawn to you. We ask it in the precious name of Jesus, and everybody else says, amen. Anybody here ever been tempted? We've all been tempted. So the question is, it's not a matter of when. Or if, it's when. You know, it's going to happen to us. How do we fight against temptation? I mean, we prepare for other things. We prepare, make preparations for other things that may pop up in our life. Have you ever prepared for temptation? Have you ever thought about that? Have I ever thought about that? When we read the scriptures in 1 Corinthians, pull that one up for me, chapter 10, verse 13. Watch this. The temptations in your life, this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Really. And God is faithful. I love that part. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I always like to give the context of a passage of scripture because I think it resonates better when we understand who's writing it and what he's writing it to. Paul wrote this letter to a church in a city called Corinth. And you talk about a hot mess. This church was a hot mess. They were actually, when they would take the Lord's Supper, they turned it into a picnic. No reverence, just a wild party. 
and, and they were, there was idolatry, every kind of thing you could think of. Uh, there was sexual promiscuity in this church, and so Paul's writing to them about temptation. In the Bible, there are things that are written for specific things, but there are also things that are universal principles. And I believe this is one of those universal principles, and that is that there is always a way out. We may not take that way, but there always is a way out. Jesus not only was the Son of God, but he also was a leader. He was a teacher, and he walked with the disciples. Now think about this. Jesus comes to this earth, and he teaches lessons. He's the Son of God. The devil himself tempted Jesus. And if he tempted the Son of God, what do you think he's going to do to us? But Jesus overcame the temptation. He taught his disciples so many lessons as he walked with them. These were common men. These were men that were fishermen. They, they weren't necessarily some of them educated people, but, but he called them to follow him and to walk with him. And we see that he gives them principles, and he, he taught them lessons about faith and how to live. So many truths that he, that he shared with them. And as he prepares the disciples for a time that's coming, he's telling them he's going to be leaving. He knows they're going to need help. You know, Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He knows that we're going to need help. Somebody say amen. And we're not alone. And so Jesus instructs these disciples, and he tells them a few things. And he tells them that they know they're going to need to be encouraged, and he tells them temptation will be coming. He also told them that he loved them. He told them that he loved them. And he said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And he told them something else. He taught them how to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Why do you think he used a reference to food? If we don't eat, what happens? And spiritually speaking, it's the same way. It's the same way. You see, what you feed grows. And what we don't feed, what you starve, dies. Think about it. If you and I had never ate another meal, what would happen? And it's the same way, spiritually speaking, in our lives. That's why we're here today, to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. That's why we read the Word. That's why we come together in fellowship. If all I think about are negative things, guess what's going to happen in my life? Eventually it's going to be negative. Jesus knew that we would need help. He knew those 12 men would need help. He knew the early church was going to need help. And so he gives them some words on how to fight temptation and how to be encouraged. Before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples that he was going to send something. He was going to send somebody. Whoo, this will preach right here, buddy. And that somebody is the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14. I love this past. This, this chapter is such a, it's one of my favorite chapters. Starts off in John 14, 1, it says, let not your heart be troubled. That ain't up here, but I'm just giving you the backdrop. Let not your heart be troubled. We believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go and prepare for you. And if there was, it, prepare. That means he's going to take some time to do it. And he goes on down the list, and then he comes to this, and he's telling the disciples, verses 15 through 21, he says this, if you love me, disciples, if you love me, obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now, that word advocate means comforter, encourager, and counselor. Who will never leave you. This advocate will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all, say it with me, truth. The truth will set you free. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. 
that he was coming. I'll come to you. I'll come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live, as he talked about. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And those who accept, talking about choice, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, is giving incredible words of hope to a group of folks that are looking at the world and wondering what in the world's going to happen. Can you imagine? Jesus comes down the road, says, follow me. They drop their nets. Follow me. They go out. They come. They listen. And now all of a sudden he's saying, I'm going to go. What? What about my 401k and my retirement I could have had if I stayed in the fishing business? Are you kidding me? Jesus is telling them, I got this. I'm going to send somebody. And he's going to live in you. Man, that's a believable, unbelievable truth. You know, we talk about Father when they baptize, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And we've heard about And when I talk to people, people say, I understand Father God. I, under, I understand the Son. This Holy Spirit, tell me about that. Well, it's the third part of the Trinity. That's what we believe, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The greatest team that Jesus was ever a part of has existed for all eternity. Each member of the Trinity serves to point to and glorifies the other. John Ortberg wrote it like this. The Father loves and glorifies the Son. The Son submits to the Father, and the Son says, it's a good thing the Spirit is going to come. And the Spirit points people back to the Son. It's an endless Trinitarian fellowship of love and joy and delight with each other. And that's what's real, folks. It's the most real thing in all existence. In John 14, he talks about that the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you as a Christ follower. I'm telling you what, that's better than a Final Four victory right there, Brother Chris. I don't care what you say. You didn't say anything. But that's exciting, folks, when you think about what we have as children of God. When we walk and we fellowship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And he directs us and leads us. In Galatians, Paul was writing a letter to this church, and here's what he says in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He says this, So let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, I don't know about you. I can only speak for me. But there hasn't been and there isn't a time in my life when I've committed a sin that that little thing didn't go off in my head going ding, 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 ding. There's a lot of things go off in my head, by the way, but that. <laughs> Holy Spirit lives within us, speaks to us, teaches us, and will guide us. And sometimes I don't listen. Sometimes I don't listen. But Paul said he will guide us. He not only lives in us, but he guides us. Be encouraged by that today, church. According to the scripture, the Holy Spirit does some other things. And I want to look at these. First of all, the Holy Spirit does something that you and I may not be aware of, and that is that he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And when he does, we can count on it being right when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through other Christian believers. 
He speaks through us through, you know, various ways. I had somebody tell me one day, said, you know, the Holy Spirit's never spoke to me. I can't get an answer. They were in the hospital. We were talking. And I said, has anybody been to see you? Has any Christians been over here to visit with you? Yeah, they did, and they encouraged me. I said, chance that might be the Holy Spirit working through that person. He said, maybe just a little gentle. Holy Spirit does a lot of things a lot of different ways. A lot of things. He teaches us. He speaks. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, it'll line up with this, folks. It'll line up with this. When we're praying, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this. I want you to remember the little fat, ball-headed preacher that used to be at Burlington or that was at Burlington years ago. Down, I want you to remember this for a long time. Waved his Bible in the hand, hand his hand and said, before you read this, every time pray. And ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the scripture. Will you do that? He said he would teach us. He speaks through his word when we study his word. And when he speaks to us, we can trust God to lead us in the ways of truth. He'll lead us to ways that are right. I've told you guys many times before that I love Billy Graham. He, he was one of my favorite preachers, and what a testimony, what an incredible life. And I heard a story that he shared. Billy Graham tells of a time in his early years when he was preaching that he was down in South Carolina and he was going into this little town. And, and, uh, and so he was going to mail a letter. He was at the town holding a revival at this church. He called him a crusade. And he goes up into town and he comes up on this little boy and he says, uh, Son, he says, I got this letter I need to mail. He says, uh, Can you tell me how to get to the post office? Give me the directions. The little boy gave him the directions. And Billy Graham looked at him and said, Now, I tell you, I said, if, if you want to, if you want to come to Central Baptist Church tonight, I'll tell you how to get to heaven. The little boy replied and said, no thanks, you don't even know where the post office is. <laughs> Here's the thing, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, whether it's through the word, in our hearts, in this, we can know that it's right. And we can follow the Holy Spirit leading, and it'll bring glory to God, not to ourselves. I heard about a pastor. You know, sometimes we think as preachers, you know, that it's our job to, to preach. I've seen preachers, you know, uh, that, that just, you know, will try to convict you. I've never worked from that motive. I let the Holy Spirit do that. That's, not, that's way above my pay, pay scale to, to try to convict people. I've had people walk out of here and catch me at the door and say, man, were you in my email this week? <laughs> you were stepping all over my toes. Well, no, that ain't me if that's happening. I ain't got enough sense to do that, number one. That's the power... That's the power of Holy Spirit speaking in your life when you feel convicted about something as a Christ follower. And when he comes, and, 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 and you know, he will convict us. The Bible says in John 16, verse 8, it says, And when he is come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Sometimes a preacher say, you know, people say you step on your toes, but it's, it's the Holy Spirit that leads us to do that and steps on our toes. You know, I heard about a preacher that was preaching for 20 years, and he, he gave it up. Some of you guys back there that's retired preachers, he, this guy gave it up, you know. And, and, and so he, they said, why would you give it up? He went to work for a funeral home. They said, why would you give it up? He said, man, I preached for 20 years, and I tried, to, I tried to straighten brother such and such out, and I couldn't help. I couldn't straighten him out. I tried to help such and such and such, and they're married, and I couldn't straighten them out. He said, and I went to work for this funeral home, and he said, every one of them I straighten out, they stay that way. <laughs> it's awful, Jeff. That's just, that's just awful. It's not our job as Christians to straighten people out. It's our job to love people and let Holy Spirit speak to people. The Holy Spirit will convict. He'll do what he said he'd do. It's our job 
to plant and to water and to sow and let God give the increase. The Holy Spirit will convict us. Those of us who are Christ followers, we know about that. I remember as a young man, I was about 14 years old, I think was the age. I went to this little church out in the country and over in Cincinnati, in the northeast part of Cincinnati, and, and we'd go and that preacher would preach and he'd give the invitation and I'd grab them pews and I would white knuckle it, man, during the just as I am. I called it the just as I am shuffle. You know what that was? That was conviction. It was the Holy Spirit stirring in my heart. The Lord will convict us, but it's because he loves us. God will speak to us. Here's what I want you to remember. The next time you're tempted, I want you to remember that the spirit of the living God lives within you as a Christ follower. And that you are not alone. And with the help of the living God, living in you, the spirit can help us through the desires of the flesh. There's always a way out. We're not fighting the battle alone. Another thing that the Holy Spirit does, and, and I love this, is he, he comforts us. He speaks to us. In John 4, he said that he would send us a comforter and a counselor. When we're hurting, we can pray. Is that what we do first? When we are hurting and something's going on in our lives and when temptation comes our way, is that the first thing that we do? Do we pray or do we go, what was me? Here I go again. It's me again. Here it is. Lord, what's up, you know? People that walk with the Lord, you see them have that higher power come into their lives. God speaks through them. We might find, think of comfort as something like my grandma's feather bed back in the day. My grandmother had a feather bed, and that was the most comfortable thing I'd ever been in in my life. But Jesus, when he uses this word comfort, is talking about this. He's saying he'll give us comfort by giving us strength through the Holy Spirit to get through what we need to get through. And that should bring us comfort, knowing that we don't face this alone that we have something that will help us, that will give us strength. A power greater than ourselves. Thank you, Lord. The next thing the Holy Spirit does is it counsels us. It will lead us and guide us. Do you notice that the Holy Spirit is a person? Did you catch that? It's not an it. It's a person. And here's another thing. The presence and the help of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. Paul wrote to the church at Rome in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, and he says this, Brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. What? You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. If you live by its dictates, you will die. But you through, watch this, you through your power, no, that's not what he, you through the power of the Spirit can put to death the deeds of your sinful nature and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Did you catch that word obligation? You ever feel obligated to do something to somebody? That's not always a good feeling, is it? You know, sometimes somebody will do something for you, and then you're like, well, okay, so I got to, you know, I got to get. Re that's where regifting comes from sometimes, I think. <laughs> obligation. We're not obligated to sin. God gives us a way out. We see Paul talking like this. We don't have to feel obligated. Like, well, it's who I am. You know, I'm, I'm going to cheat. That's who I am. I'm a cheater. That's who I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm to steal. That's who I am. No, no. We can become new creatures in Christ. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts and our lives. 
Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ our Lord. I heard an old preacher years ago, he preached and he said, here's the thing, sin thrills, then it kills. A lot of truth in that. Somebody else said it like this, sin fascinates, then it assassinates. Did you notice that Paul says about how we defeat the sinful nature? We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. A power greater than ourselves. I love that. I came to believe in a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call Jesus, whom Spirit lives within me. Life experience can be hard sometimes and cause us to be convicted. The Spirit of God convicts us of our sins. You know, um, I heard a guy that I grew up with, he grew up really rough, and, and he said, you know, I hear my mother praying in the other room every night when I go in. She's praying. She stays up till I get home, she's praying. He said, man, that's driving me nuts. <laughs> it's called conviction. And I remember when he got saved, he went to her and he told her, he said, mama, <laughs> it's because you prayed for me. Because you prayed for me, that's why I follow the Lord. Conviction comes through different ways, but here's the thing. We know when we sin and we know it's wrong. Sometimes we try to hide it, don't we? We try to hide it. Adam and Eve did it. it was first, we, we, don't have a, we don't have a copyright on this. Adam and Eve were the first ones that did this. But God pursued them. He pursued them. No matter how noble our reputation is, we all have things for which we are ashamed of in our past. But thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace that washes over us. The Holy Spirit moves in us. If we were ever convicted of our sins, we should repent when we, when we are convicted. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was this theologian that lived years ago, and he was, he was put in a German prison camp. And he used this phrase called cheap grace. Now, one of the things that I preach a lot around here is grace. I talk about grace. I talk about do-overs. And the reason I do that is because I believe that's what the gospel message is about. But Bonhoeffer used this phrase, cheap grace. And you know what he talked about, cheap grace? What he was saying was, he was saying that you use it as a pass and you don't change the way you are, the way you live. Listen to me. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, when we repent, we turn and we go the other direction. Does that mean we're perfect? No, but that means Holy Spirit moves in and all things are new. And God's grace, 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 God's grace is greater than all my sin. Thank you, Lord, for that. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts our sin, but he also does the work of making you and I born-again Christians. For 132 years, 132 years, Americans won the America's Cup given to the best sailing yacht. In 1983, a team from Austria threatened to take the cup. It was an ongoing battle of six races with three wins apiece. Thousands of spectators were waiting for this final race to watch the final match. People were watching on TV all over the world. I remember watching it, and I don't even know anything about sailing yachts. I just thought it was kind of cool. Here we are tied. Maybe we get this one. It was all on TV. It was all, everybody lined up. You know, well, everybody else was doing it. Pam, I thought it was kind of cool, you know. People were lined up, the yachts were lined up, television cameras were running, and you know what happened? They get ready to start the race, and they abandoned the race for that day. And the reason that they abandoned the race was because of poor wind conditions. See, in yachting, no wind means no racing. You know what the Hebrew word for wind is? Spirit. 
where the Holy Spirit lives, we can race. And he's with us. And he will teach us. And just like the boat race in our individual lives in church, if there's no wind of the Spirit, nothing significant can happen. Amen. Without the Holy Spirit, this past week I had the privilege of going to a pastor's conference and there were there were 500 there were five eight thousand people in this conference but everybody broke off and the pastors went into one room and we sat at a table and they put us at different tables preachers from all over the world all denominations different walks of, of faith and and uh, i mean of, of denominations protestants and so forth and i'm sitting at this table and next to me right next to me of the first of the seven guys is a man that's a pastor of a church in out toward texas and it's a big baptist church and they run about 3500 he started there 30 years ago. The next guy over is a young man who pastors a little church over in South Carolina. He said he run a couple hundred. The next man pastors five campuses of a Methodist church that runs about 4,000. On around the table we go. The thing I noticed was that when we talked about church, all of us realized one thing, that we couldn't do this without the Holy Spirit. The church cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. You know, there are churches closing every, every week. Churches are closing. You know why they're closing? Because they don't follow what God's leading us to do. You know what the Great Commission is? It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And when we become inwardly focused on ourselves and we lose sight of what's outside, we got a problem. Somebody say amen. Holy Spirit will lead us into truth and he will guide us. Jesus tells us we're not alone. I gotta tell you, man, Jeff and I sometimes we think this is the way we gotta go. This is what we're supposed to do. And we, we go in there and we pray over it. And so we got a plan, and just as sure as we do, it's not true, Toss. Lord hits us in the head, and here we go, going this way. We gotta listen to the Holy Spirit speaking in our lives. The wind of the Holy Spirit is fresh and new. Jesus tells us we're not alone, and that the Holy Spirit will speak truth to us. Paul says, let the Spirit guide your life. Paul also says that we're not obligated to do what our sinful nature urges us to do. Paul wrote another letter. He wrote a letter to a guy named Titus. Here's the book of Titus. In that book, chapter 3, verse 5, here's what Paul says to him. Not by our works of righteousness, which we've done, not all our good works and all our good things we've done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Now watch this. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Why did I preach this message? Because we deal with temptation in the world. We're in a, we're in a battlefield, Lord, of spiritual warfare. And the Lord is with us. I want you to know that today, church. I want you to know that God cares for you. And I want you to know that when things come down the pike and they hit you face head on, I want you to know Holy Spirit lives in you. As his children, we can be more than victors through him. I want you to know this. Not only is there always a way out, but God has sent us to help. Holy Spirit will lead us and he'll teach us as a church and as individuals. This week as we leave here, I want to encourage you today as a child of God to call upon the Holy Spirit to lead you. He said he would. That's one of the things he said he would do. I want you to call upon the Holy Spirit to teach you this week. I also want him to lead you and teach you and to, and to show you how you can help others. Today, as a child of God, recognize that you have benefits. One of the benefits is having that Spirit of God living in us. And I pray that we remember that as Christ followers, we have a higher power 
And we have the spirit of the living God in our lives. Just like those yachts, we have a fresh wind that can move in our hearts. I've seen it in your lives. I've seen many of you over the years come in this place and you feel like a yacht that's sitting still, but God speaks to you and I see you begin to move. Be of good cheer. God's got you. He's got me and he's got this. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to send somebody to live in us, to be with us, and to help us when temptation comes. Father, I ask you as we go into this time of reflection and communion that you speak to us, that Holy Spirit teaches.